0: came up with the solution and it's going to be that at the appropriate time I'm going to send my son to die for the sins of the world his perfect life would then qualify him to substitute that life for mine and for the sins that I have and so past present and future they were all judged all of those sins were taken and imputed to Jesus upon the cross when he was up there so that when i come to him i am forgiven because they've already been judged i don't have to face that judgment if i am in christ jesus he paid the penalty for my sin when he hung there he tasted he actually tasted spiritual death my death for me when he hung upon the cross that's made known to us in hebrews chapter 2 Chapter 2 of Hebrews reveals portions of this plan that God made for us. And this is what it sounds like. But now we see Jesus who was made in the likeness of men a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. He was made flesh for the express purpose of to face death for me and to taste what that was like as my sins was imputed upon him. And it says for every man, do you realize that? For every person, every man, those sins were put upon him and judged and he tasted it and he felt it. You know, in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14, it says this, because we're all going to have to die twice spiritually and physically death and hell were cast into the lake of fire which is the second death and those whose names are not written in the book of life you are thrown in there in that lake of fire as well your name becomes written in the book of life when you accept jesus christ as your savior and lord and and by faith then in him and his work upon the cross you You mimic that death, burial, and resurrection in the water of baptism. Revelation 21 7 and 8 talks again about this second death, as it's called. And it says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the fearful, the cowards, the unbelieving, the abominable, the sexually immoral the sorcerers the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death you see the second death is an eternal punishment in that lake of fire that burns with brimstone but jesus tasted that death that fire for us when he bore our sins and he tasted it For every man it says. The scriptures say. On that day when he was led to the cross. That he was beaten. That he was mocked. He was spit upon. You couldn't identify him from the beating that he took. And then he was whipped. And those whips if you study that. They are tipped with metal and glass and bone and shards. And when they would whip. It would cut and sear through the flesh. And it would even come to where bones and internal organs could be seen. And that's why he had lost so much blood and already. And he was in so much pain and agony from that. That he couldn't finish carrying his cross and someone else. But he was the strongest man almost that ever lived to even endure. Most didn't even survive that. But the scriptures teach us that through all of that he made not a sound that he was like a sheep silent before his shearers and didn 't make a sound. He was strong and he endured that for us. but you know what? That was until even after they put spikes in the hands and feet, he hadn't uttered a, a sound. but when after three hours darkness came at noon and enveloped the whole world it was it's a darkness in the language that means an evil darkness it means a complete darkness that's abnormal it's like this world was in the beginning before there was light in that darkness he began to bear upon him our sins and as those sins were imputed, think of it as, as a computer chip. I don't know if you've ever like done your taxes and you download that and it'll say 21,000 files have to be downloaded and it just starts <laughs> going like that. Think of that as our sins were being imputed to him. And that's when the scriptures say that he finally uttered something. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabathini. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it, if you read Hebrews chapter, I mean the Psalms chapter 22, it says it was because of the searing pain that he was tasting of my death as he was being judged for those sins and tasting what hell was like in my place that's when he had to cry out and not until then now because of that you and i have the ability to be forgiven his life offered as a substitute for ours and that is the gift of god for this season the christmas gift the lord jesus christ I just wanted you to feel the enormity of that as now we see the gift that was given to us that took our place. You see the scriptures speak about what I just told you about. Here are some some of those that tell about that. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 through 21 says this. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. From your vain conversation of life that you received from the tradition of your fathers. But with the precious blood of jesus as a lamb without spot or blemish who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world he was manifest in these last times for us who by him that we do believe in god that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory and that gives us faith and hope that we might also be that way in god amen Didn't I tell you that before the foundation of the world, they came together and said, there's going to be a problem. How do we solve the problem? And Jesus said, I will take that upon myself. And so God the Father planned it. Jesus said, I will do it. And the Holy Spirit is the one who then makes everyone alive when we accept that and we receive that gift of God by faith. Here's another one that tells us about it. 1 Peter chapter 2. 24 and 25. And this is the one that I explained about what he did on the cross. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the cross. That we, having died to sin, might now be able to live for righteousness. Righteousness for by his stripes we have been healed. And you see that means spiritually he's not talking right here about the diseases he's talking about the disease of sin he bore sin upon the cross in his body and by those stripes we now might be the righteousness of god in him because we like sheep have all gone astray but now we've returned back to our shepherd and our overseer of our souls jesus bore our sins in his body upon that cross because God so loved the world that he gave that gift to us that whosoever might believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. While his love is commended to us, Romans says, in that while we were yet still sinners, he did this and died for us. And bore that upon the tree. He bore our sins upon that. That we. Now here's our new birth. That we having. Been now redeemed. We die to those things. And we walk in a newness of life. We seek now after the path of righteousness. Instead of the way that we used to walk. This isn't on your stuff Miss T. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it. So everybody understands. Because not everybody's been here for for four years or three years talked about when we were created you remember when we was talking the last couple of weeks about uh, about Jesus and God's gift through there how and we saw the rich man and Lazarus and we explained that when God breathed into mankind the breath of lives remember we talked that it was two lives that it was spiritual and physical spiritual and physical he breathed into man the breath of lives and man became a living so and he told him in the day that you eat of that fruit the forbidden one dying you will die is how it actually says the word for death is used twice because you have two lives and there will be two deaths there is a physical death and a spiritual death when they partook of the fruit He said, in the day you eat of it, dying, you will die. If it was just you will surely die, why did they live for another 900 years and have kids and everything happen? Why did Cain, Abel, Seth, and all of them come forth? Because in the day you eat of it, you will die spiritually immediately. And then you will be in the process of dying physically. So man has two lives. Jesus, on the cross, died twice. He died for our sins during that black darkness that we just talked about. When they were imputed upon him. When the light came. You remember he said a couple more things. First he said I thirst. And they gave him something to drink. And then he says it is finished. That meant he died spiritually. He had paid the price for sin. So he can say that. What I was called to do. Why I was brought down to this world. My mission is finished. Sins have now been forgiven. Because they were imputed to me. Then he said. The second thing. Or the third thing. In father into thy hands. I commend my spirit. And that was the other that was the physical death he had already died spiritually so here's the thing that's why in revelation that we talked about that second death that is spiritually you have to die twice once physically the other spiritually you either make the decision to die spiritually in this life and give your life to christ or if you don't then in the next life in the judgment you face the second death and that's why it says those whose names are written in the book don't do that that you've made the pro- you've already died in this life to that and you've walked in righteousness through Christ those who reject Christ then have not died the second death and you will face that in the judgment that's why it is so important That's why, go ahead now to our next slide, Miss T, because now I'm ready for that one. That's why this slide is so important. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 explains that for us. What shall we say then, now that we have believed? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Christ... We're baptized into his death. That's the spiritual death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of Father, even so we also now should walk in our newness of life. We were planted together in the likeness of his death and burial. We are also raised from that in the likeness of his resurrection to a new life. For you have died to sin and self. And he bore those on the cross. And like God then resurrected him up. You now have the same promise by accepting this in faith. That's why we have to to do this. And then we walk in that newness of life after that thank you amen isn't that great this is what the gift is about and that should be our desire now to have a new life and to walk in that relationship with him and that's why God had to make from the garden when sin entered all the way to us today these promises of his son and what he was going to do for us because he is the Christmas gift the greatest gift that was ever given you remember last week we saw some of the promises about how that he would be of the lineage of David and sit upon his throne forever. That he would be born in Bethlehem. That he would be there and that he would be born of a virgin birth. And that was the tough one to pull off. That was the one that kind of made sure. That was the miracle. That was the sign that who he was that would authenticate him. But now we saw all of those through the eyes of joseph now i want to take it through mary and the shepherds that day that he was born so if you would if you brought your bibles and you want to follow along turn with me to luke chapter 2 we're going to start in well let's start in luke chapter 1 first down around verse 26 because last week we saw how the angel came to joseph and how he told him to fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife because that which is within her is of the holy spirit and she is going to bring forth the son and you will call his name Emmanuel being God with us so now now we get to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 and we see Mary and it says that this is how it came down to her in the 6th month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was espoused to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the an angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, and blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast into her mind, What manner of salutation is this? And the angel said, Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How can all of this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and power from the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born shall be called the Son of God. Yes, the angel appeared to Mary, told her how she was going to conceive, shared the same promises that that the angel had shared with Joseph about the lineage of David, the virgin birth, where he's going to be born shared these promises so that she would know and believe and have faith in the operation of god of what he's going to do even down to his name jesus which means savior that's what the word means he is our savior and now if you turn the page to the next chapter we'll see his birth as it comes in there joseph and mary by god's divine hand had had the uh, the leaders of rome to call for a census for the taxation so they went to bethlehem to their hometown to be censused and then taxed and then the promise came that while she was great with child and in bethlehem her days were accomplished and then it says in verse 7 and then she brought forth her firstborn child and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them at the inn. And there in that same country there were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about. And they became sore afraid, but the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy that shall be to all people. For unto you this day, born in the city of David is a Savior, which is Christ the Lord and this sign shall be to you you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger is that not one of the most beautiful sections of Scripture in the Word of God Mary I want to focus on verse 7 and 12 for you I want to focus on verses 7 and 12 Mary brought forth the firstborn son and wrapped him in what oh don't that sound so snug and cuddly and just give you pictures of fuzzy goodness you know how they say okay verse 12 that shepherds were told to go into the city of david for unto you this day is born a savior which is christ the lord and i am going to give you a sign and what's that sign you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes laid in a manger first of all what's a sign i mean all of these other things were promises but signs are something different in it it was only the sign of the virgin birth in isaiah 7 that said this is going to be a sign to you a virgin birth a sign according to definition is this i looked it up it is a miracle Or a distinguishing mark like a landmark that is not duplicated per se. Niagara Falls, the Grand Canyon. Those are landmarks. They are something out of the ordinary that set them apart. A sign is that or a miracle to confirm or authenticate something. And to give glory and exalt the thing from which it came that's what a sign is so this sign that is given is something that's miraculous it's not repeatable it's not duplicatable and it's supposed to give glory and honor to the one that give it so what is the sign the sign it says was the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes now to give you another illustration when Jesus turned water into wine That was a sign that he was Messiah to the world. It's not duplicatable. I can't go home and turn on the faucet and expect sweet red wine to come out from it, can we? I don't know. I see some faces out there like, hmm, I might go home and try that. (laughs) No, we can't repeat that because he is God. This is a sign also wrapped in swaddling clothes. So now that's our challenge for this Christmas is this, what makes a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a feeding trough (laughs) a special miracle or sign that says that this is the Messiah? All right, look up there at verse 12 again. The baby wrapped in swaddling clothes shall be your sign. I don't know who all was here on Easter. I know you guys were because that was your first day here, wasn't it? And I brought this out because we talked about how Christ was buried after he was taken from the cross. You remember that? You remember what it says about Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea that Joseph had the um, place for the burial, the tomb. And so he went and asked for the body of Jesus and Nicodemus showed up with 75 pounds of aloe and myrrh and spices. And it says what? They wrapped the body It was in strips of cloth. The word for swaddling clothes is the word Spargano, which comes from Sparasso. And that noun means strips of cloth that were cut or tore from something. And Hippocrates, you all heard doctors take the Hippocratic oath or whatever. Hippocrates, the father of medicine, wrote, and it was understood at the time of Jesus... This word he used in his medical books to say you take Sporazzo's strips of cloth and you wrap the wounds per se of soldiers on the battlefield. You strip the claws and wrap the wounds to keep them from bleeding to try to keep them alive. If for some reason they would expire you would take strips of cloth and wrap the body to prepare it for burial just as they did for christ after the tomb and that was the miracle in case you weren't here and missed it that those aloes and myrrhs when it sets up over those three days is like concrete and when the disciples came into the tomb they saw this in one piece and it's wrapped in such a way that all up to the neck so that there's a face towel that was folded neatly But the clothes were left there undisturbed. You know the only way he could have got out of that? Was to resurrect bodily through it. Which proved. And that's why it said after that that John and Peter believed in the word of God. Because now they saw and remembered how that he was going to resurrect. And he uh, resurrected through this and left it whole in one piece. He couldn't have got out any other way. It was like concrete. But guess what? That's the same word for swaddling clothes. So now I'm going to ruin this because I want to show you something else. See, I made this with shellac and glue and it was tough like that. But now we've got the little sparaso. this is the part that's got me all week because that means that on the day that my savior was born he wasn't wrapped in no swaddling clothes he was wrapped in his death clothes for the express purpose those scriptures says he was brought into this world was to die for my sins and that's why when the angels came to those shepherds said this will be the sign unto you you will find the baby wrapped in his death clothes because God was looking down upon the Christmas gift his son that he hand wrapped for us he will be wrapped in clothes that signifies why he came into this world to be the Lamb of God given for the sins. When he came onto the scene and John the Baptist saw him. He said behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He came for that purpose. And he was wrapped for that purpose. Not in some comfortable little swaddling clothes. But he was wrapped in the clothes befitting why he came into this world and that's why it was a sign and the feeding trough was a sign and the shepherds understood it because they have feeding troughs and they know that it also says in the book of Isaiah, chapter one isaiah opens his book saying that the donkeys and the asses know where their feeding trough is because they know their owner but my people do not know me This represents the one who was coming because the people did not know him and didn't know who fed them, who took care of them, who was getting them forgiveness for their sins. They don't know me. But the animals know who their master is and comes to get the feeding of their master. But my people have left my word that feeds them because they don't know me as master. So this represented God who feeds us And God who gives us his Christmas gift of his son so that we might have everlasting life and not have to face that second death. Amen. So, I guess my question for everyone here today is have you unwrapped your Christmas gift yet? (laughs) Have you in faith unwrapped that gift and and been buried with him in the waters of baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And died that spiritual death so that you've already died. You ain't got to die twice again to that. You get to, to walk in righteousness. And one day be with him. As our worship team returns. That's the question this morning. You know. No gift. Have you ever given a gift to somebody that you knew that they really needed? and that it would cause you a great sacrifice to be able to get that gift and give them to them but you did it because you love them now think about what would happen if they turned their nose up to that and spurned what you sacrificed and gave because you knew that they needed it but they rejected it and just turned aside and say i don't i don't want it i don't need it how would that make you feel that's why the scripture says he that believeth in the son is not condemned but those who who reject that gift of god his sacrifice of his son then they will stand condemned already because they didn't believe in the son of god jesus even said it go to the world and share this good news with everyone he that accepts the gift of God and is baptized. He that believeth and baptized shall be saved. But he that rejects my gift shall be condemned. So I ask why do you wait? Ananias told Saul that day. Why do you wait? Why do you tarry? Arise. Be baptized. Wash away thy sins. Calling upon the name of the Lord. Please I ask you today if you're. If you've not unwrapped the gift, come on up and unwrap it today. I turned that on last night so it'd be hot. I got clothes in the back so that you don't have to go home wet. Don't leave here without unwrapping the gift of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your very special Christmas gift. It's a gift that we can open not just in this season or on a certain day, but at any time. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that he bore those sins upon the cross so that we might have forgiveness and eternal life. What a great gift, Father. I don't need anything else for Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.